Welcome to the CCUPC Cutting Room Floor, where we try to connect Sunday to the weekday. I'm Pastor James. And I'm Pastor Dina. And this week, we're taking a deeper dive into Hosea 11, God contemplating the future of Israel. Pastor Dina, this is not a common passage to preach on. In fact, (laughs) I can count on no fingers exactly the number of times I've heard Hosea preached. No, that's that's not true. I can... I've heard it preached once, actually, um, by the legendary Haddon Robinson. Um, uh, and so Hosea doesn't get a lot of airtime. Yeah, I can't I can't say I've ever heard it preached on as the main text, at least not that that stuck out. And I feel like it would stick out. Well, and, and to be, and of course, we, yeah. you and I know this, but the, the the reason Hosea doesn't get a lot of airtime is because God asks Hosea to marry a prostitute. Yeah, it's awkward. As yeah, as a um, as a metaphor for his relationship with Israel. So that you know, it's sticky. I mean, it's it's hard to explain to in a way that that is acceptable for the public forum with mixed ages and and mixed. Yeah sensitivities right and it's it's not one that you know gets a pg rating all the time Mm -mm. although this text in in hosea is not about the the marriage between hosea and gomer specifically um but it it is about god contemplating the future of israel um what did you gain from exploring this passage you know what what reality stood out to you what thoughts what ideas you know what what came to you from this this uh, rarely preached on passage? I think, you know, especially in light of the the other things that we've been preaching on most recently, the idea, you know, Israel was a, a symbol of all that could go wrong. You had, you had drawn that out. Exploitation, injustice, oppression. I mean, you name it, Israel was it. And yet God looks with compassion on that and the the point that you made there was god's compassion controls god's wrath and that's just such a there's such a depth to that yeah i mean we have you know as humans i think we have opportunities for that you know when we're when we're frustrated in line at the grocery store and yet we know it's not actually this clerk's fault that we're, we're late and mm. the line was super long mm-hmm. that we, you know, we hold this anger and sense of injustice alongside this compassion and, and trying to hold it together. Of course, you know, we are not God. So God's compassion is, is genuine and true. Ours pretty much, we just don't want to end up on a TikTok video of, <laughs> you know, of Karen's gone wild or whatever. Um, but Oh, it exists. Trust me. Oh, gosh. <laughs> um, and yet, we also see the depth of, of our own sin. That you, you, started, you started by just reminding us how broken the, the relationship between God and humanity is because of sin. And, and it's like a bad habit we can't break. And I mean, who among us hasn't at least weekly thought I can't believe I did this again or I can't believe I didn't do this again I I can't believe I yelled at my kids again I can't believe that I still have this broken relationship with alcohol I can't believe that I didn't read my bible again I wanted to you know I I've been carrying it around all day with me I've moved it 17 times and now here I am at the end of the day mm. not having done it um 
that that something in us wants to be better than we are and we just can't get there because of our sin and our brokenness it's amazing how powerful that force is like and it's amazing how universal that feeling is because i mean the number of people that are like yeah i i can i i get that Mm -hmm. um is just remarkable um but it is it's the fact that you don't have to teach anyone how to misbehave yeah like we always teach people how to behave but not how to misbehave um that it just comes so naturally out of our nature yeah i know i've always said i mean toddlers absolutely prove the doctrine of original sin because I didn't have to teach my kids to go over and yank a toy off of someone else and they're quite good at it. I didn't teach them to mess something up and then hide it and and say that they didn't do it. Even though you're, you know full well that, you know, they're the one that did it, um, that it's just that, no, I didn't do it. Well, you, you know, you're, you're holding the scissors right next to the cut up couch. You did it. No, I didn't do it. <laughs> you did. Um, we don't teach that. It just, it happens so naturally. And then I know we had talked to, I think COVID really kind of brought that out again. Like no, no one had to teach us to, to hoard. And yet as soon as things started looking dicey, it was, you know, quick buy 7,000 rolls of toilet paper or, I mean, and we, I, I know you and I had talked too, even in little ways. I mean, my, my family was not a, a hoarding family, but there was still this sense of, oh, there's chicken at the grocery store this week. I better buy it. We don't need it. I'm just going to toss it in the freezer with the other eight chicken breasts that are in there. But I don't know if there's going to be any next time. And so I better yeah. get it. I better take care of myself. I better look out for me. Um, and, you know, I, I, I would certainly share with my neighbors who I like my family, my, you know, the people that are important to me, but I'm not going to just leave it sit on the shelf for just anyone else to get. I need to make sure we have what we need. And even, I mean, even if, even if that's not who we want to be, we clearly showed that's who we are. And, and so, you know, the depth of, the depth of sin, I think is just astounding sometimes. I remember going into Costco during that era, and of course we were living in uh, Illinois, and went to the the Costco Iowa, uh, the <laughs> Iowa Costco at that point. Sorry, um, and uh, you know, seeing the number of shelves that were bare, first of all, and I mm-hmm. realized that, that wasn't all consumption; some of that was supply chain. Yeah, um, I get that, but like the the amount of of vacancy on the 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 shelves was amazing. And then also to see like above the eggs and milk, like limit two. Yeah. And when you consider that, like I was looking at a six dozen carton of eggs, you know, a six dozen egg carton. Yeah. And you're saying limit two and it's like, wow. Yeah. Like we, we actually have to put limits on otherwise people will. But I, I, like you, I remember going to the store and thinking, okay, Costco actually has toilet paper in today. Yeah. Do I get some just to be safe? Yeah. That, I mean, I think that's something the abundance of the United States has developed in us too, that we're, we, I mean, at any given time, you know, I have a backup of, of most of our staples in my pantry. So, 
you know, it's, it's not, it's no, no big deal for me to have, you know, a, a container of flour in my cabinet ready to bake with. And then also a, an unopened bag stuck in the pantry in the back for when that one's gone. Then when, when I open another one, I'll buy a new one. Other mm. cu- cultures, other countries don't have that level of, of abundance and surplus and right. And I, you know, again, it, it's just signs of our, of the, the greediness, the, the lack of trust, which I think is probably even more than the greed. It, it's the lack of trust that I don't know if I'm going to have what I need. So I better do everything I can to make sure mm. I do. Uh, you, you know, as you're talking about this, you know, one of the notes that I took from the commentaries, um, the Zondervan exegetical, Zondervan exegetical commentary in the Old Testament, um, you know, there, there was a quote that struck me that says, what hope remains for a nation that is rotting upwards from its roots? Mm-hmm. Um, and and that really, that was really the context of of uh, Israel in that day. It was rotting upwards from its roots, um, and Hosea was called. And it's so hard to, especially when there's some form of economic prosperity, to say there is something wrong here, because everyone wants to say there's nothing wrong here because we have a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, as if that's the metric. Yeah. Um, well, I know. I mean, that that just fits too with the perception that that there is not enough to go around. Meanwhile, in this country, I mean, we ha- we obviously have people who are food insecure and don't have what they need. And yet, if you look at all that we have, there is more than enough for everyone. But again, it's our sinfulness, our our greed, our want our longing for convenience of not having to stop what I'm doing to go to the store to get more of whatever I need in the moment. I just want to back up there that, that I, that's leading others to not have what they need. The depth, again, it's just the depth of, of sin and lack of faith. And yet in the midst of that, the the whole point of Isaiah's or of Hosea's, um, of this passage in Hosea is that that God is faithful. Like Hosea was was to remain faithful to Gomer, even though he knew full well she was not going to be faithful <laughs> back. And I mean, I think I think of our marriage relationships. I think, but even of friendships, like you, there's a limit to how much you're willing to endure from a friendship. Till you're you're ready to say okay no thankful no thank you you've you've used me you know you're I'm there for you all the time and you're never yeah. there for me this isn't a friendship I'm gonna put my time into and so the idea that that Hosea was commanded to be faithful even though there was not even a pretense of Gomer being faithful to him was pretty incredible and then when you when you extrapolate that out to God it it should take our breath away that that we are so messed up in sin and yet god god's compassion is is with us controlling his wrath controlling he'd be perfectly justified to say i'm done i'm out yeah. i can't anymore you you know you've messed up one too many times but that's not what 
that's not what happens. No, and there's there's really a tenderness in this passage mm-hmm. that is not found in a lot of other it's not that God isn't tender, but it's it's couched in such um such parent child loving terms that it's 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 hard to see um you know how can I give you up? How can I hand you over? How can I treat you? Uh, you know, and so it's it's this very very tender moment of just um of compassion that is that's just you know crashing over the passage like a tidal yeah. wave. Yeah, and I mean I don't think you just have to be a parent to to understand that, but but I think obviously being a parent gives you an insight into that because as mad as I can get at my kids for doing what I told them not to do or not doing what I told them to do, like there's still that heart of love for them. Yeah. There's still that compassion for them. And yet I, I know and have seen in other relationships, like there's a point where that, that compassion has to end because, because of the offenses, because of the life choices, because enabling isn't a loving thing to do anymore. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and so when we think about the way, when we think about the, the depth of love that's shown here, it's just pretty incredible. And we, you know, we get so stuck in our tendency, you know, our, our sinful proclivities and, and, as we were we were talking off mic it's not just what we do but even i mean just our thought lives alone as <laughs> and we can we can present really well that you know we're good I, at faking it yeah i can say oh i'm so happy for you and be seething in my heart and completely jealous and envious i can you know i can humble brag all day long and say oh no 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 it's not me but my heart is, is screaming it's me yeah yeah i did it me um, me alone and and so you know in that i think we we do know that about ourselves at some level because because on one hand we hold this idea that that we're sinful people and it amazes us that god could even love us and i think sometimes it's we don't even really fully believe that and yet on the other hand we think i'm not so bad like i'm not not cheating on my spouse i'm not cheating on my taxes i'm okay you know it's fine you know it doesn't matter that i i shop in places that i know don't have good labor practices it doesn't matter that you know i'm i'm not as generous as maybe i could be because i want to take care of my own needs doesn't matter if i cut someone off once in a while yeah they deserved it yeah um and so holding these things in tension, I think, ties us up in knots. We don't quite know what what to do with with that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and absolutely. There's, there's a huge tension there. Um, and, and, you know, the, what we don't want to do is portray then in this passage, um, God is being fickle. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that was part of what got cut out of my my stuff is that um a couple of quotes that from from theologians that that spoke to this passage and and how god is portrayed um jerry huang said uh 
Rather than portraying fickleness or indecisiveness, this kaleidoscope of images that is of God confronts the audience with a picture of Yahweh who simultaneously possesses love to reconcile, holiness to judge, and power to save. Which is an amazing, like, that's a larger picture of God than we usually yeah. we pick one of those images yeah and we stick with it mm-hmm. like we know who the the love to reconcile people are we know the whole who the holiness to judge people are and we know who the power to save people are yeah but rarely do we see anyone pull those three together and say that's actually who the living God is yeah so it's it's a it's a great picture of of how those things simultaneously exist. Doug Stewart, uh, actually, who uh, taught at Gordon Conwell, where I went to seminary, um, said said that the passage this pa- the passage is a story of how divine disappointment is overcome by divine determination to restore a people to faith. Jesus the Christ accomplished this. Yeah, and it's so it's this great picture of of that there is. And, and we'll get this in a couple of weeks when we talk about um, Josiah, but this idea that, that, that e- even judgment will not be totally final or fatal. Yeah. Uh, that I know you had, you had made the, the comment, justice won't be delayed forever. Like at some point there's a reckoning. <laughs> yes. And still we see the compassion of God in that, a way was provided for us that we don't have to satisfy this justice and, and how hard, how hard it is to reckon with any one of those perspectives of God, the idea that we're not good enough and and our merits will never measure up. But also you had posed the question, what do you feel as though God's compassion won't overcome? And I think at least in, in my own thoughts and in, in the lives of many people I've talked to over the years, there is a sense of, I don't know that God could actually love me. Like I Mm. may have messed it up. I might be the one who just messed it up so bad that God says, nah, not you. And, And that's a heavy burden to carry that I think then fuels some of these other works righteousness. And like, we don't actually believe we could, we can, work our way into salvation, but we're surely going to try because I don't really know that God could love me either. You know, we're coming up on the, on the holidays, Mm -hmm. um, Thanksgiving and, and Christmas and so on. And I think one of the things that this time of year does is it, it reminds us that there is still a small child within us Mm -hmm. that has all the longings that we had when we were, when we were young. And I, I wonder if, if that's, the way that we process our relationship with God, that when Mm -hmm. we, when we are encountered with the Holy, we become that small child who feels like they weren't good enough or they weren't, um, smart enough or they weren't athletic enough or, um, uh, you know, dad really wanted a boy or mom really wanted a girl or, you know, whatever it is that those, those nascent, first seared into our into our soul hurts were yeah um start to to bubble up and i wonder if that's where our relationship with god is where we see ourselves as like i am just this small 
scared, inadequate kid who really just kind of can't do anything right. Mm -hmm. Who keeps saying, I can't believe I'm here again. Right. I didn't want to be, and here I am. I knew, I saw the signs along the way, and still, here I am. Yeah, yeah. Um, And and only a child would would mess it up like this over and over again. Yeah. Because that's, you know, any teacher will tell you, like, that's part of what we're doing. We're training them to to just do it right the first time, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, I've got a 13 and a 10-year-old, and it's like, how many times do we have to teach you how to take the trash out mm-hmm. properly? Yeah. Like, yeah. if there is something to the left or to the right of the can, you pick it up. Yeah. Um, we had those same conversations in my house this morning. Like, you know, why can you not look at the dishwasher and say, huh, it's clean? Maybe it needs emptied and then actually put things where they go and not just on the counter on top of the dishwasher. And, and I think we understand that to a point mm-hmm. where y- you don't have to be a parent. You can just see children or you can see people who don't do that. And you're like, I mean, I think uh, we do it with other adults in our lives yeah. too. You know, how many times do I have to tell you that this is important to me or I don't like this or I need you to do that? Yeah. And so we can imagine yeah. God saying, how many times do I have to tell you yeah. not to be a jerk? How many times do I have <laughs> to tell you not to? Obviously, we laugh about that one because it's a rule of. of that, that's the first rule of youth group. Don't be a jerk. Yeah. And, and of course, I picked on that uh-huh, one a, uh-huh. a couple of weeks ago. The second rule of youth group is if you have to ask if this makes you a jerk, it probably does. Don't do it. Right. <laughs> so, right. But, um, but we have to say it yes. over and over again. And then we have to call kids out and say, are you being a jerk right now? Like, is this jerky behavior? Think about it. Well, I, yeah. it's the same reason why my dog collars, my my dog <laughs> collars for training say, do not use this on a human. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh. You know, you know, there have been people that are like, I wonder um, if this would help with my kids. Yeah. Or, or just people who are like, I wonder what it's like. Yeah. And, and, and you can see God saying, why would I save that? I mean, come on. Yeah. And maybe, I mean, maybe that's part of it too. Like as I look around, especially, I mean, this is going to sound really, really negative, probably more than I even mean it. But, you know, as I look around at the world, I, and I think you had even mentioned, mentioned it, maybe not in this sermon, but a different one. Like, is this really the best the world has to offer? Like, is yeah. this really the world god died for there's war everywhere there's cheating everywhere there's there's deception from the lowest levels all the way up like what is there anything even worth redeeming which i imagine was hosea's perspective as he looked at gomer like is this even like is there anything even here worth (laughs) fighting for why god yeah what's the point yeah um you know, I like watching this old house and the opening, like the opening segment to it. Um, like you hear the, the different guys talking about like just different aspects of a house. Like that's in the, the, the title sequence. And there's one question in that title sequence that someone poses. Uh, it might be Norm Abram. Um, and he says, is this thing really worth saving? Yeah. And, and like, I hear that question every time and I'm like, boy, that's, you, you don't have to be talking about a house there, Norm. Yeah. Yeah. We ask all the time. I mean, we, 
as I said before, we asked that about relationships. Is this relationship really worth working for? Is this, is this really where I want to spend my effort? Is this really where I want to pour myself out on behalf of someone else? Because I'm, I mean, I'm not sure it is. I think sometimes if we're honest with about different relationships, like I'm not sure this is where I want to spend time and effort and sacrifice. And yet God's compassion, again, I I mean, I keep coming back to that, that phrase you said that, you know, God's compassion controls God's wrath and, and God doesn't look at us and say, eh, it's too much. I can't, I'm just going to start over. (laughs) <laughs> let the let the wrath flow. Yeah. Almost like a you know, a dam that just breaks. Yeah. And and just all the wrath pours out. Yeah. Um and and I suppose I mean control more not like a dam that holds things back, but almost like um control rods in a nuclear reactor that that cool the the reaction to keep things from overheating. Yeah, and I I would say that's kind of neutralize isn't the exact word because that that justice is still there but right slows it it keeps us from flying you know i think it keeps god from flying off the handle it keeps the the love i think the love overshadows the wrath maybe is a is a good the compassion overshadows and overpowers the wrath in a in such a way that the wrath doesn't have the final word with us. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and the compassion provided a different way through Jesus. I had thought about the the idea of the control rods in a nuclear reactor. Mm-hmm. Um but then I thought that one's probably not going to land very well. Yeah. Um cuz that's that's most people don't know how that actually operates. Yeah. So um very limited There'd be a couple people that'd be real excited about that. Yeah, though. well, that's true. The people who <laughs> who know it would, would be like, ooh, yeah, that's exciting. That I can get behind. Um, and so, but it it to the the um, uh, Jerry Huang uh, quote about you know seeing these three pictures of God really is helpful. Then because we do we, and, and when we think about our own failings, we focus on that wrath of God. Um, and and that's you know the the mean kid with a magnifying glass trying to burn our feelers off mm-hmm. kind of image of God and and it's helpful to remember that that God has love and justice and compassion um, all in in equal measure not in disproportionate measure um, as as we're want to be you know when we get mad you know it's almost like yeah. um, uh, what was the Disney movie? Oh, um, Inside Out. Inside Out. Yeah. You know, where where anger just takes over and yeah. <laughs> blows its top. Yeah. So those are the, um, you know, those are a few of the things that got cut. Um, uh, the fact that Egypt and Assyria, not only are they, you know, places to run other than God, but they're the bookends of idolatry and waywardness. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, Egypt was the oppression and slavery under Pharaoh. Assyria was the place from which Abraham was called out of idolatry. Yeah. I mean, so that's like, I had never made that connection before. I didn't think it was, it was good to go into depth in that, in a sermon, but like 
going to Assyria is, I mean, that's going back to your, your roots. That's going back to your origins. Yeah. Like it's abandoning everything you were called out of. It's, it's, it's an alcoholic going back to the liquor store. Yeah. Yeah. Is what it is. Or, or, you know, an addict going back to their dealer. Mm hmm. Um, and so it's, it's just this like, oh, you gotta be kidding me. Um, and uh, Egypt was the abusive relationship, you know, and they're going to, they're going to go to, they're either going to go to their dealer or they're going to go to their abusive partner. Mm -hmm. One of the two, but they just will not choose to go to God. Yeah. Yeah. And these were the ones that, that did, you know, they were going to, Assyria was going to wipe out the population. It, you know, yeah. it, there was no pretense of we'll take care of you. The, you know, the no. way that God was offering. I mean, oh no, they'll take care of you, but in a Godfather like kind of way. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I, I mean, I hear that when, you know, when you, when we read, I'm the one that created you, I'm the one that lifted you up. Like, how do you not see this? How do you not, you didn't even notice these things. I'm the one that, that has protected you this far, you know, that, that God is, I, I think, I guess I read this as God pouring out his heart in, in lament almost that like, don't, can't you understand how much I, I love you and how much I've given up for you and how much, Mm. how much more I want for you than captivity, than slavery, than, than, being subject to idols. I want so much more for you than that. So it's interesting. Um, the, the song that actually came to mind as I was, um, preparing this sermon was the, the, the classic hymn, great is thy faithfulness. Mm. I mean, this very much, you know, the, the lyrics of that, um, whether it's the the first verse where it's, you know, great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father, there is no shadow of turning with thee. Or whether it's the third verse, it's, you know, pardon for sin and a peace that endures, um, thine own pre- dear presence to cheer and to guide. Mm-hmm. You know, th- like this is uh, that gr- the greatness of God's faithfulness is connected to the greatness of God's compassion. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I think the Hosea passage really um, can give a depth of meaning to that old song that, that, you know, puts it in very, very, I keep going back to the word tender, but, you know, deeply emotive turns, not just simple mm-hmm. head knowledge of, yes, God loves me. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know that we've done as the church, I don't know that we've done a great job of helping people to experience that depth of God's love. Like, it, yeah, it seems so often to boil down to a, a a pat Sunday school answer. Well, of course God loves me, even if in our hearts, even if in our hearts we're thinking, mm, but I'm not really convinced that God could actually love me. Or we say, yes, God loves me when I'm behaving. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, and that. The church, it's not a secret. The church has communicated God loves you when you're doing the right thing and showing up. When you church. have your act together. Yeah. Um, 
if you don't have your act together, you know, sorry, try again tomorrow. <laughs> and that's not yeah. the first phrase that came to my mind <laughs> when, when, when thinking, cause, cause yeah. the church has been very, very dogmatic in, in, you know, get your stuff together mm-hmm. before you get in here. Um, and then that was during our position of power in the, in the, yeah. in the culture. And I think that's a good part of us not being the dominant cultural forces. Now we like, oh, maybe that isn't good to just tell people to be good yeah. and to not accept them until they are. Yeah. Maybe that's not quite the Jesus way. Right. Right. Because again, if we're honest with ourselves, we'll, we'll never make it. We'll never get there. So, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, this is a good, this is a good passage, a good, um, good reminder of the kind of, the kind of faithfulness that God shows to us, the kind of faithfulness that, that we receive from God, even when we're more like Gomer than Hosea. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That just has a depth to it that... In the unfaithfulness, in the wandering, in the not not being true. Yeah, you can, no, you can make I, that whatever you want. <laughs> Do what you want with that. But yeah, I I mean, just uh, I just picture telling the little church ladies who are just sweet yeah. and so on that they're a gomer. You know, yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah, but again, I mean, that just goes to show we've deluded ourselves into thinking that we might we might not be. You know that. Well, that, and uh, that we want to put it on our terms. We mm-hmm. want it to be according to our measure. Yeah. You know, we, we want the sweet little church ladies to go to yeah. heaven and we want the jerks not to. Right. Right. And we're just trying our best to, to make sure we say, stay on the sweet enough side. Yeah. Um, whereas, um, you know, it, it, the reality is, the reality is what Paul says in Romans that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And we forget that. Yeah. And, and you use the word that I've, I've used a couple of times diluted because we really do have to delude ourselves into thinking that, that I'm actually okay. Mm-hmm. Like if, if we think I'm okay, then we don't actually understand what the gospel is saying to us. Like the gospel is saying we're not okay. Yeah. And we can never, be okay. Right. And, and I mean, that's kind of what Hosea's relationship with, with Gomer is, Mm -hmm. is like, he was never going to make that. Okay. Gomer at, she was a prostitute through and through. Yeah. And, and you know, but that's the thing. Like we have to understand that, that we have, we have fallen. We are a moral failure. We are, we are not what we were meant to be. And in the presence of a holy God, we fall, fall short. And yet, God loves us and the, and the compassion overflows in ways that, that blows our mind. So how, how do you, um, you know, what are the ways that you have found that, that, that really r- relate this to people well? Like, what are, how, how do you teach this? I think, you know, it was interesting this past week or last week, one of the weeks, they're all running together. We had the opportunity to do the preschool lesson 
And oh, yeah. And we and we talked about the lost sheep. And I had the opportunity to tell each kid by name, Joey, if you were the little lost sheep, God would come looking for you and love you. And Sarah, God would, if you were the little lost sheep. And I think, I mean, first of all, I think it's easier to tell other people than it is to accept for ourselves. Sure. But, but I think there's there's value in naming that all the time, in, in going to passages like Romans 8 and reminding, like, there is nothing you can do that's going to separate you from God's love. There is no level of messed up that you can get that's going to make God say, sorry, I can't help. I'm out. You know, it's too messy, too complicated. You know, the people in your life might, but but God's not going to do that. And so I find myself going to those statements a lot saying, even if you're mad at God, even if you're you're upset, even if this is not going at all the way you want and you're hurt and you're angry and you're grieving, none of that is going to make God say, I can't love you this way. Mm. Um, and so, so I try, I, I try often, I know, and, I, and maybe I've said before on the podcast, I know one time um, I'd heard the accusation that, that I leaned too heavily on grace, but um, <laughs> I, I mean, I can live with that. <laughs> but, uh, but that's, you know, that I think that's such a powerful, not grace in a cheap, it, you do whatever you want because God's going to forgive you anyway, but grace in a, you know, trust that there's no level of, of disaster that you can become where God is going to turn around, turn around and, and not look upon you with love and compassion. And I think we, I think we need to hear that because, because as you said, we have these, internal feelings of I'm not good enough I'm not and I think that comes into with the comparison too just like we compare ourselves and say well I'm not as bad as that guy over there it's also really easy to say well I'm not as I'm not as good as that person either I'm not I'm not as faithful as that person I don't know the bible as well as this person Mm -hmm. I'm not I'm not a strong enough parent like these people down the road Um, and so I think Con- that constant reminder of of you can't mess this up god loves you you cannot undo that is i think that's a powerful thing to hear mm. what's the what's the biggest obstacle to understanding god's compassion that you've heard in people i think just the memory of the things we've done the words we've said the you know the the fact that we keep saying i can't believe i'm here again that that somewhere we we do think there's a limit to the number of times that god is gonna be with us in our sin before before it's just too much and it's not worth it um i think that that proclivity to sin that keeps drawing us back that that keeps us back the memory i mean even you know, the memory of things that that we've done or been a part of, they stick with us and they, they hold on to us. And I think it's hard to, to reconcile all those things. Words we've said, relationships we've broken, actions we've taken, actions we've not taken. I think they can haunt us sometimes. For sure. For Absolutely. There are some things that, you know, I still think about from years and years ago that I'm like, mm-hmm. I, I wish I'd done that differently. Yeah. You know, I wish I could go back and, and, and rewrite that whether, but, even if it's just a moment. Right. Right. Yeah. 
and so I think to me, at least, you know, in, in my own life and in conversations with other people, that seems to be the biggest barrier, just this, this memory of how bad we are. And so you, again, you pair those things together and try to hold both intention, remembering that there's nothing you can do to make God not love you, but also remembering, yeah, you are, you are messed up. And so you need, you need this love of God. And it seems like, it seems like as a way to combat that difficult feeling, that difficult reckoning with the things that we've done, said, chosen, that we would like to change that, that even in churches, you know, some churches now it's, it's not original sin is not a popular doctrine. We don't, we, we do lift up how good we are and not how bad we are. And, and so I think, I mean, and I've seen emphasis on how bad we are done poorly too, in a manipulative (laughs) way and on a harmful way. But I think, I, I guess I see my job as, as trying to help people to hold those things in tension and, and to reckon with the, the bad things we've done and also to remember God's love in the midst of it. Possibly the best phrase I've heard to express that is wonderfully made and terribly fallen. Mm. Yeah, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Because it, 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 it's not a, it's not an either, it's not an either or, you know, am I a good person or am I a bad person? We were wonderfully made and we are also terribly fallen and that, that, both of those elements come through, which is why I think we can have those moments where we're like, I'm a good person. Mm-hmm. And those moments where like, I'm a horrible person. Yeah. Yeah. And we say it with, with just as much sincerity as the other, the, the way we said it. The- yeah. And my guess is most of us, most of us spend time in both of those places, but probably one, one or the other is, is more troubling to us that, you know, we either tend to, that our sin either comes from thinking that we're better because we're not as bad as other people or thinking that we're just the worst and God couldn't love us. That, you know, as I see tendencies in in people I've talked to, you know, most people spend time in one of those places, more, more time in one of those places than the other. Um, so again, that as we've, talked with so many things in within our relationship with God you know we hold them in tension we we remember them both we honor them both and and try to unify them in some way to make both true in our lives and in our thoughts about about God yeah any final thoughts you you've got on on Hosea no just that you know the Bible's spicy I mean I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the, you know, as you think about, again, we've boiled it down to such Sunday school terms. There's a, like, this is scandalous. This is, this is not nothing that, yeah, that, yeah. that God creates or that God calls Hosea to do. And, and I think sometimes it, it does us good to remember that, that it's not, it's not neat and clean and, and rainbows no. <laughs> and, and you know, God's promise, hooray, that 
but it, there's some hard stuff to grapple with in there. Because you know there were people talking at that wedding. Oh, my goodness, yeah. Like, Hosea's marrying Gomer? What? <laughs> well, we know how this is going to yeah. turn out. Yeah, guess who I saw down at the pub on, uh, you know, on Tuesday night? Yeah. Again. <laughs> yeah. With, with a different guy. Yeah. E- exactly. Exactly. She's not behind in the rent. Uh-uh. Nope. <laughs> no. So. I, I mean, and again, I think to think about the faithfulness of, of Hosea in the midst of that, it wasn't just his marriage relationship, but like his whole social standing was, you know. Oh, my gosh. Like, he must have been a laughing stock. Yeah. Come on, dude. How do you expect this to go? Yeah. Well, God told me to get it, to do it. Sure. Yeah. What God are you serving? Yeah. Like, yeah. So yeah, there's, there is some spiciness. To, there, yeah. There's some salaciousness. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, so, so it's a good time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you've had a good time, <laughs> I, I was going to say with Hosea, but that, that yep. no. Don't say that. <laughs> nope. Uh, but if you have uh, found this episode helpful, how about if we go that direction? If you've had that, uh, ha- there it goes again. I can't get through the the the, <laughs> the exit. Closing. The closing. Uh, if you have found this episode helpful, and if it has helped you to develop your faith in Jesus Christ, and it has helped you to understand the love of God, and to understand that God's compassion is just as powerful as His wrath, then first of all, would you take a minute and and thank God for that? But also, uh, leave a rating and a review. Share this with others so that they can discover the same hope that you're finding um, and that they can come to know the love of God and the compassion of God just as well. Uh, also, click the subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts. We appreciate your listenership. We appreciate you you being a part of this. It's a fun enterprise for us, and, and we just want to take you along for the conversation and along for the ride. So um, thank you. Um, but until next time, I'm Pastor James. And I'm Pastor Dina. And we hope this helps you connect Sunday to the weekday.